Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Welcome to the Men's Journal, Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. This week, our guest is Brad Womack. Brad shot to fame as the only person to star in two seasons of The Bachelor. While he didn't secure a marriage through the show, the behind-the-scenes story is fascinating. Brad is now a highly successful entrepreneur and businessman whose story we can all take motivation from. Brad Womack is one of the kindest, most respectful men you will ever meet. Humble to boot. I learned a lot during my conversation from Brad, and I consider him a good friend. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at Whiskey Tango Foxtrot in Austin, Texas. And here is my interview with Brad Womack. I'm excited to have you here. I'm honored to be here, man, especially just uh, having a conversation with someone of your caliber. Talking about me, man, I've read your bio. It's wildly impressive. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Likewise, likewise. And uh, thanks. This is, uh, <laughs> we are live from Whiskey Tango Foxtrot yep. uh, down in Austin. And actually, your bar is the next bar over. Yes, sir, it yep. is. I, but, but this one's much busier, so I, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> these guys do a great job, man. I love this venue. Yeah, I, and, and they speak highly of you. They speak highly of you. So, you know, one thing I'm going to ask is, um, you, you definitely, you're, as you look at your bio, you have had an interesting life, man. I appreciate that. And you that. continue to have a, an interesting life. And again, despite all you've done, and you can sense it right now and you can hear it in your voice, uh, you are a humble, humble man. I can tell you're still trying to, you're still seeking growth, which I'm all about. Right. So, you know, for the audience, um, let's, let's get into your background. I mean, born, yeah. raised, your family, and, and, and what brought you, let's go this way. What brought you up to The Bachelor? Okay. Uh, some of those mimosas you were talking yeah. about. But no. I, uh, so um, I'll make a long story short. So I was uh, born in Atlanta, Georgia. Then my uh, parents got divorced when... So I have a twin brother. And uh, he and I were 12 when they got divorced. And we moved to Livingston, Texas, a real small town in East Texas. Absolutely love that town. I love the small town feel. Was there a culture um, shock at uh, first? Yeah, there was actually. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, it's hard to explain, man. My uh, uh, my mom's husband was. Uh, we were in an area of, of Atlanta that uh, he prospered. It wasn't we didn't. He did. So anyway, and then we went to Livingston, and, and we had literally nothing. And so it's a hell of a learning lesson, actually. And so yes, a culture shock, small town. But it, again, I wouldn't have it any other way. I uh, I am definitely a small town guy. And frankly, I don't think I belonged in Atlanta. I, I definitely belonged in Livingston, Texas. So um, and loved it. And so. After I got out of high school, moved to Austin. I've been here 26 years and um, absolutely love the city. So, 
you asked about <laughs> you asked about the bachelor. I guess we're fast forwarding a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm thank God you mentioned that I spent some time in the oil field. So, well, yeah, that's about. that's what I want to hear about, man. Okay, I, I'm sure that that yeah. Well, let, let, let's back up. So, okay, you know, your brother Chad is your twin brother, and yes, I know sir. you have an older brother, uh, Wesley. Right. Um. So you and Chad are business partners as well, correct? We, we are, yes, sir. Is he, is he yeah. your best friend? He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, we we've, we've done literally everything together: um, successes, failures, uh, you know, life lessons, all of that good stuff. And in fact, some of those I couldn't have made it through without him, you know. And so, even in the oil fields, he worked in the oil fields with me. So, I'd, again, make a long story short. When you're in Livingston High School, you do one of two things. You know, you either go to school, college, or you get a uh, a very uh, hard, somewhat decent paying job. And and so, I wasn't quite ready for school. And and um and I worked in the oil field for ten years. And and what was this after Texas State? Uh, well, so I went to Texas State. I'm sorry, Texas State for one year. Realized I just wasn't ready then, and then went to the oil fields, and then uh, the rest is history. And so. Don't, um, don't yeah. feel bad, man. I, I, yeah. I lasted about uh, a semester and a half at no the University kidding. of Colorado before I enlisted in the Marine Corps. So, okay. Um, well, you did just fine, man. <laughs> eight, eight years yeah. in the oil field. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't know much about the oil field, but that is hard freaking work. It is. And, and, but the thing about it, you know, you're around, in my humble opinion, some of the best people out there, you know, they're, we're all working hard. They're there to support their families. I mean, that, you, you know, you get up, you go to work, you eat dinner, you hit repeat. And there's not much. It's, I don't want to say mindless because that's a derogatory term, but, you know, you just grind. But I like that. And I, I'll still to this day think uh, or still say that that was the most fulfilling job I've ever had. And I miss it at times. I really do. I don't know why, but um, I miss it. I, I've, so I've heard that about, well, I know that about oil workers. Yeah. I mean, roughnecks. Yeah, man. You know, roughnecks to, uh, to the core. Right. Is there anything you learned on the oil field? And I'm, I'm sure you had just tough, rough mentors that, that lived what they preached. Yes, sir. Was there anything you learned from there that transitioned over to the business world? Absolutely. You know, um, I think if you're direct with somebody, if you don't sugarcoat anything, I think um, it resonates more. That's just my experience. Um, I and, and you hit the nail on the head. You know, out there, you're measured by your work ethic. And without work ethic, you're literally nothing. And, and so you, they get rid of you really quickly. And so a lot of it is, uh, you know, wanting to impress your mentors, but also just wanting to come into your own, you know, man or woman, you know, just want to be the best you can be. And so anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, transcends into business, of course. Um, I'd like to think that I'm, uh, I'm fair, but uh, I'm honest to a fault and I'm direct, very, very direct. But um, our management team, we couldn't do any of this without them. And so now they've learned they can be direct with us, too. And so anyway, I feel privileged to be around those guys. Yeah, the direct approach, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the oil field and the military. I mean, yes, sir. You, you, both blue collar work. Yep. In essence. Uh, doesn't that, that that direct approach doesn't always work in the uh, the private sector? I've, right, I've noticed. Right, yeah, interesting enough. Right. So while you're an oil worker or oil uh, driller, you start to bartend on the side. Is that correct? No, sir. I, no? I didn't have time, man. I uh, huh. no. In fact, I'll tell you this. I, and and so my twin brother, even in high school, I think we saw a cocktail or something. He wanted to be Tom Cruise. I don't know, but. He, uh, he had always wanted to be in the bars and, and, but I have to you give You just dated yourself with that movie. Oh man. You just, hey, look, I, I knew what hey, you're talking about. People are like, what, what is that? Look, you know what? I, it, there's no shame in it. I'm, you know, it is what it is. I'm an old guy, but, uh, 
Anyway, he had always wanted to be in the bar business. And so um, I remember, um, and he, he did little stints in the oil fields too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he did go to work. And, and I remember him vividly calling me and said, hey, uh, I think we could do this, you know, but we have to start at the bottom. And, uh, and think of the conversation, calling my mom and saying, hey, I'm 27 years old. I'm getting out of the oil fields. I'm going to bartend. And she's saying, okay, whatever, you know, you're, 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 this ain't going to work out. And so, but you know, we did. We started from the very, very bottom and, and that work ethic and, and stuff like that. And I think it paid off a little bit. So when you say you started for, from the bottom, you, yes, you went to work at someone else's bar. Yes, sir. Working the door, working uh, behind the bar, did anything I was told to do. And, uh, you know, um, I, I think uh, you have to start, you know, from the very bottom yeah. in anything you do. And so just to learn it, do it the right way. Yeah. You, you know what? I see that a lot when uh, you have a, a certain man that owns a business and maybe his kids are coming up. Oh, sure. And, 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 and he says, hey, you, you know, we're, we're going to avoid the nepotism. Right. And you're going to go work on the floor and you're going to work hard sure. for the next few years if you want if you want to take this over from me. Absolutely. When you and your brother were working the bars, I mean, did you guys know like, hey, let's learn everything about this industry and we're going to we're going to do this on our own or did that come later? No, we uh, from day one, that, that was the plan. And, and I kid you not. I mean, I, I really kid you not. We were we worked literally seven days a week. Uh, we saved every penny we had. Um, I had a little, little bit of money, not too much at all from the oil fields. And um, but we uh, we seized an opportunity. It's such a long story. And um, but one of the bars that uh, we, we knew of had been closed down by the comptroller of all things. And so. Uh, there was not uh, much money for a buy-in, and that was our opportunity. And we still, even when we owned the bar, we worked seven days a week. We we didn't pay ourselves one single salary check. It was all tips. We saved the money to put back into the business. We bought a second bar the next year, and it kind of just snowballed after that. So let, let's go back to the first bar because sure. I love this. Okay. And you just <laughs> said you, you didn't pay yourselves. Right. So where was the bar? Was the bar here in Austin? Yes, sir. It was on 6th Street. 6th Street. Yeah. Which which bar was that? So <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say this. It, uh, it was called Chugging Monkey. And, uh, and it used to be Lucy's Retired Surfers. Oh, we see, you familiar? <laughs> nice. Okay, very nice. So I imparted uh, the name, please. I know it's sophomoric, but it uh, it sold merchandise. That was, that was the thinking behind that. But uh so, yeah, we capitalized on an opportunity. And no, that's a true story. We literally didn't take a salary check for an entire year. And so... I love entrepreneurs. Well, I appreciate that. And coming from you, of course you do, because you're one of them. Well, I'm still, I'm still there. You know? well, yeah, my wife's in the crowd. She knows we haven't been taken a paycheck from uh, one of my current businesses. And we're still three years in. Nice. Okay, but, well... Uh, we, we know it's going to pay off in the long run. Yes, sir. You still own the Chugging Monkey. No, we uh, we sold... So uh, between that and another bar called the Dizzy Rooster, yes. uh, we sold those as a package deal about five years ago. Dude, congratulations. And so, well, I appreciate that. You know, it's... Um, and we sold it to a friend. And um, anyway, it was one of those things. That, you know, it's kind of a natural progression, right? And uh, we wanted to focus on some other concepts and things like that. And and uh, and he wanted to get into that part of Sixth Street. And so it worked out for everybody. I'm sure for all the employees you had in that first bar, they watched yeah. you and your brother and you guys, they're just like these two grind. Well, I appreciate that. And and uh, the, the thing about that, I hope, I hope they did watch us because again, you know, there were nights that uh, we'd revolve I'd work the door, he'd bartend, we'd have one or two other bartenders, and that was it. And I, 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 I'm telling you, it was seven days a week, and that lasted for about 15 years, you know, and so... Um, no kidding. Yeah, it hits the bags under my eyes, and, you know, it, it, these days, my nights out, they're not at bars, man. I've spent so much time in a yeah. bar that I... But anyway, I, um, but I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, man. 
So I, you know, I've got to assume there was a point in the early years where you and your brother looked at each other and, and probably you're like, "Hey, we don't know if we're going to pull this off." Oh man, we still do. I mean, we still do. I'll tell anybody we we still have those conversations. But yes, sir, about you know, um, you know, you're six months in and rents due and you're hungry and you know, uh, uh, AC breaks and things like that and payroll comes up. Absolutely, there were times, but. You know, I tell you though, um, that's what I mean about uh, learning lessons the hard way. Again, I wouldn't have it any other way because yeah. you appreciate yes. when you do pay rent and when you do fix the AC and you know, you're thinking, okay, uh, we can eat pretty decently tonight. And so, yeah, it came around. The, the greatest lessons, and I know we, we've got the crowd here looking, is always failure. It Absolutely. always comes from failure. If they were all sunny days, you'd have no appreciation I for the bad ones. Could not agree with that more. Even if they suck yeah, really bad. I could not agree with that more. And, and you know, we've had plenty of failures. Or I'm, I'm sure we'll still have many failures. And, and uh, again, I wouldn't have it any other way. We, so we'll, we'll get to COVID because I know that that was a huge challenge for, let's say, the, the you know, restaurant and bar industry. Right. Um, but you see bars shut down mm-hmm. so commonly. I think people open bars for sometimes the wrong reasons. Sure. And I've, I, I'm not trying to sound crude here. I've had buddies that basically opened bars because they, they thought it was a route to, to meet ladies. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I hear is like, you know, often the guys are like, well, if I could just get the bar to this level of income, to this level of revenue, well, I can just get mailbox money and just coast from there. Right. And that is the most, like, there's just no coasting in life. Right. The second you stop grinding, the, uh, you see these bars change ownership and shut down and you've you guys have held on to your bars and your bars have stayed open is that a testament to again yeah i mean the the work ethic you guys put in you constantly pay attention to i uh, we definitely constantly pay attention no doubt about it and and i would like to think that yes and one thing i can honestly say man and, and i mean this with a 100 percent sincerity is we've never done anything for money we've never looked at anything and said Hey, we can make this amount. It, it's always doing something we love, right? And so even in the worst of times, you mentioned COVID. I know we'll get into it. Or, uh, or you know, you open up a bar and it's just flatlining and there's no one coming in the doors. We're still doing what we love. And I still, working with my twin brother is something I love. Working with uh, uh, Jason Carey, our other business partner, I love, and Ginger. And so anyway, those, the four of us were very like-minded. And, and so um, it makes it real easy to grind. But I will say, um, I don't want to fail at anything. I'm not talking financially. I just don't want to fail at anything, man. And so it keeps us going every day. Yeah, that's that's a good motivator. Um, so you know, the, we'll get into the Bachelor. We're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on the Bachelor. What year was the first year you went on the uh, the Bachelor? It was the eleventh season. Uh, it was yes, sir. So that was. <laughs> now I'm really gonna date myself. It was 2007. 2007. Yes, sir. Okay, and by this point, you own how many bars? Uh, I think we had four at that point. Um, yeah, I think we had four. Damn, dude. Damn. And, I don't know if you even care. The only reason that show came about, I, I want to say, yeah, I, I, feel, I want to like what? Okay, here, let's what, how this let's, all let's unfolds. Yeah, this, man. So I do feel lucky to be asked to be on it, but uh, but I'm definitely I, I don't want to uh, define myself by it. You know, yes, absolutely. Um, my brother and I, we had a very rare Sunday off, and we were day drinking. I, I kid you not, we were at a bar downtown in Austin, and um, and a girl just came up. I think it was before they recycled people from the Bachelorette and everything. Yeah. 
and just said, hey, would you be interested? And, and uh, this is a true story, and, and I promise I won't curse. It just said, hell no, is exactly what I said. And she said, well, we can be convincing. So the rest is history. You know, I never had aspirations to be on TV. But I was talking to my brother, and I was a single guy and thought, okay, I can never afford to travel the way they travel meet some cool people, the experience and everything. And so I said, let's do this, man. It, kind of a opportunity. So, so it was the experience. Like, it hell, was. This is going to be a, one hell of a life experience. It, yeah, absolutely. And another thing, I'm shy to a fault. And uh, and so I figured if I did something like that, it would force me. I mean, I mean you talk about full throttle, buddy. You know, it, yeah. it's uh, once, the, once they have you, they have you. And so there's no slowing down. I figured, well, I can break out of this box and then figure out what happens. Well, funny enough, and we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, one week before this podcast that we're hosting, I met Chris Harrison. Yeah. And I'll tell you that story. It was actually pretty embarrassing, but so <laughs> here's, I, I can, I can understand the lure and, and I don't really rock, watch reality TV, but uh, right. my, my wife, Jordan does. Okay. And um, sorry, no, 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 it's, 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 it's okay. I, I mean, well, hell we were, we were at war at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, the most TV we could get over there other than movies was, you know, we catch the NFL games or MLB or NBA. Yes, sir. Um, let, let me, let me, let me change this question. So it's not so male centric. Sure. Even if, you know, a woman was approached and they said, Hey, we're going to throw you on a show with 30 men. Right. I, I would have to believe her response is like, you got to be out of your mind. Oh yeah. Like that is, that sounds like so much drama. It is. But, you know, <laughs> for guys that have ever dated maybe one or two girls or maybe three or, or more, that, right. that is a lot of work, but 30, that just like, that's a hard hell no for me. It, uh, well, it was going to be for me, but they can be convincing. Yeah, oh, yeah. The thing about it, you know, it's uh, one, you don't see all of the drama that's going on back at the house until you're watching it as it airs, right? And so I wasn't privy to all the uh, dramatics or whatever that were unfolding. And you hear little stories about yeah, it, you yeah. know. But, uh, and, and another thing, and I kid you not, I don't date around much. And that's another thing. I, I don't know why the hell they picked me, right? I, I really don't. And, and so, um, but it is, it's such a good way. One, it's a study in sociology, of course. And that's, that's what study, my wife right? is. It is, a, it, it is a study in psychology. It, psychology, Absolutely. that's exactly yeah. what I meant. And, and, um, and me included, I mean, we're all crazy. We're, we're all crazy. <laughs> But, uh, but it was a lot of fun and, and um, you know, no regrets, I guess. No, none. You should have none. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you, you didn't find your match. Right. And, and I know you took a lot of criticism. Oh, man. And, and let, let, me, let me say this. Yeah. Regardless of what you do, if you put yourself out there, right. we're in an era of keyboard warriors. Oh, sure. That will destroy you. Sure. But, you know, even when I, I you know, I wrote a book. It wasn't a great book. You know, I, I did my best. Um, but I took criticism. I, yeah. I mean, I got some nasty notes. No kidding. And I mean, that still affects you. I yeah. mean, you, I, I care what people think. Sometimes I'll be unapologetic about it. It's not gonna, it's not gonna throw me off, but I, right. I do care about what people think that, that had to play on your psychology somewhat. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. It's uh, you know, so the first time you're right, I didn't pick anybody and I was crucified. I was crucified. Oh Yeah. And, you know, it, it, because it went against protocol, of course, and, and who does this guy think he is? And the thing about this whole thing is honesty is 100% uh, of importance to me, right? And, uh, and, and so I didn't want to lead the women on. I didn't want to sell out. I didn't want to do any of that. And uh, I knew what I was getting into by saying, by not picking anybody, or I thought I did. And, but that wave, man. And so... Yeah, but I'd be lying if I, uh, if I if I had sat up here and said it didn't affect me. Some of the uh, comments and it was a storm, man. It, it was tough, and court of public opinion can be brutal. The, the court of public really opinion, yes. 
and in the mob. Let's well, be honest, the mob can absolutely rule yes, the, the court of public opinion. Well, it, uh, anyway, it, you know, and, and thank God it's behind me now. And it, but I, I'll tell you this, I wouldn't change anything about that decision. And um, we're all better for it. Those girls are so much better without me, man. And, you know, and so <laughs> um, it's all good. I'm sure some of them disagree. All, I'm sure well, some of them disagree. But and, I, and I'm sure you made some great friendships. Uh, you know, we talked about Chris Harrison. And uh, I sent you the text. I sent, I sent my wife the text as well. I was so embarrassed because, again, I, I don't follow the show. But right. I saw him at the, the, the culinary kickoff hosted by Porsche in the Super Bowl. And we were hosting it by, you know, for Men's Journal. Nice. And I'm like, I recognize that guy. Yeah. And I, I know... Uh, you know, I saw the drama unfold. Right. All I know is, you know, my wife was reading me into this and I watched the, the interviews and the way he conducted himself. And I'm like, you know what? That guy is a class act. Yes, he is. And I, I'm going to say, it. I, I don't care what Hollywood says. I'm not here for that. Yeah. He got screwed. Yes, he did. He got screwed by the woke culture. Yeah. And he is, you know, so I, I, I went up to him at the party and I said, I didn't know his name. I'm like, hey, sir, I just want to say, you know, I've seen you on TV. The way you handled yourself is a class act. Yeah. And I said, do you mind if we do an interview? And I said, hey, what... I'm said, I apologize. Remind me your name. Yeah. And I don't have my hearing aids on and, and the, the party was loud. And I thought he said, Chris Harris. Okay. And so we start the interview and I'm like, yeah. I'm here with Chris Harris. He's like, uh, let's, let's cut right there. It's Chris Harrison. And I'm like, <laughs> he, he got a kick out of it. He, he, you know what? He doesn't mind. He really doesn't mind. He was honored to speak with you. I, I can guarantee that. It, it, he was, he was so nice. Yeah. And uh, it's a testament to his, uh, his character. You come off the show, you're right. taking criticism. Sure. And then, you, you reset for another season. They approached you for another season. Well, that was three years later. Three years yes, later. Yes, sir. So that was in 2010. And, and, you know, I had written off the show, and not in a bad way, I, meaning I thought they had written me off, right? And, uh, and it was Chris, ironically, that uh, called, and I, I kid you not verbatim. He said, uh, hey, Chris, how you doing? He said, uh, went right into it. Everybody I've spoken to has said you're going to say no to this, but I want to hear it myself. Would you be willing to do a, another season? And, I said, well, if you're asking, let's talk. And, and so that, there we go. So if, if someone else had called, it would have been a probably hard enough. Probably. I just, I really trust Chris. You know, I know he has a job to do, but uh, he and I got along really well. I've always said he's a salt of the earth guy. Yeah. And, you know, even with that job to do and the parameters he has to stay within, he was always very fair to me. Even if he was beating me up a little bit, he was fair to me. And so I knew what he was telling me. There was no um, smoke and mirrors. And so I just wanted to hear it from him. So Let's sit down and talk, man. And, and so what, there I went. And the way you just described that was during the, the first experience, was he a bit of a mentor to uh, you? Oh, absolutely. Well, let, let me, I'm going to sing his praise. He's a mentor to everybody that participates in that show, everybody. And so um, he's there. You know, it's a nerve-wracking thing. I mean, you take a dude that I'm serving beer for a living, Mike. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't belong on TV. I don't, I'm not the most eloquent speaker, as we can all, I'm sure, surmise by now. But anyway, he, uh, so he, he does. He takes all of us under his wing and so absolutely is a mentor. And, and I say this in such a complimentary way, he's one of the most unaffected human beings I've ever met. Here he is. He's got so many people around him, and he's basically the star of the show everywhere he goes. But he's very unaffected, and I, I like that. I respect that. So I, th- I think it was Warren Buffett. Yeah. That said, and this applies to both fame and money. If you're a jerk yeah. before you have money <laughs> yeah. and you make a lot of money, it only amplifies it. Sure. And so when you see somebody who has a national, if not international spotlight. Right. Like Chris. Right. And he treats people with such respect and kindness. Right. 
that he, he got accolades in my book. I'll be, I'll be a Chris Harrison fan for the rest of my life. Man. Well, it's genuine. He's a genuine guy. Yeah. So. Authenticity is, uh, is huge. It's everything. So you go on a second time, right. you, you get engaged, <laughs> but it's, it's just not right. And, right. and when it comes to love, there is no playbook. We both know this. Absolutely. You got to do what's right for the other person. To force, and this is coming from a guy who's divorced. Right. Okay. And I stayed in the marriage way too long. Right. Like probably five years more than I should have. Right. Because I cared about my children. And, um, you know, when it comes to love, no one else's opinion freaking matters. Yeah, man. It's, it's what's right for you. And, and, and you probably did Emily uh, a, a, a huge favor by not continuing on with that. Uh, and, and she's actually married now, right? She is, she's married and, and, and as happy as ever. Let me tell you, and just to set the record straight, she was the one that cut ties, you know? And, and, and so, and, and I respect her, you know, there's, there was so much surrounding that relationship. And when we got back home, we didn't have a single sacred moment between the two of us. You know what I mean? I mean, we were followed and we were scrutinized. And, 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 and so we, do, we really didn't have a chance. And, you know, and, and frankly, you know, we were two different people. In hindsight, yeah, yes. you see that. Yes. But she is an amazing, amazing woman. And, and I'll tell you, man, I was broke up. I hate, I hate to admit that, but I hate to admit that, you know, as guys, we have pride. And I will, women have pride too, obviously. I'm sorry. Of course you do. But uh, yeah, she broke my heart for a little bit, but I needed to learn that lesson. And, and, and again, she is, she is so happy. She has everything she wanted. And uh, humbly speaking, I'm a happy guy right now. And, and so I wish her nothing but the best, man. I really do. And, 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 and I'm, I'm sure that warms her heart to uh, hear that, man. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure she doesn't want to hear from me. I'm kidding, <laughs> but no, no she, uh, she's doing just fine, man. And, and, um, and I'm happy for her. I, I truly am. I, so we're done talking about The Bachelor. Thank you, and, sir. Um, okay, let's we, go. Yeah, we're done. We're, let's start drinking. <laughs> All right. But I do want to ask one question. Yes, we're we're going to take a break here. Of, of what you learned about yourself from that experience. But before we get there, we're, we're actually going to take a break. And, but okay. before we take a break on the Everyday Warrior podcast, uh, we ask what we call a few hard questions. Okay. And uh, prepare yourself. Let's go. What's the hardest decision you've ever had to make hardest decision i ever had to make the hardest decision i've ever had to make oh man that's uh that's put me on the spot and i want to answer it honestly the hardest decision i've ever had to make one and and not to bring it back um to the bachelor but one was saying no to both women i'll tell you why and i can't say too much about it but there were some um um some incentives thrown uh, when it was the first season and, uh, and, and that it was, it was difficult to stand up to the powers that be. Oh, I can only imagine. Okay. So yeah, that's the best way I can put that man. And trust me, I'm not trying to be purposely vague, but uh, it was very difficult to stand up to the powers that be. That was a, that was a tough day. Bro, you're, you're, yes, you're talking to, to someone who was in the military where I got bullied. Yes, sir. Yeah I, yeah. I actually got investigated the day I retired from the military. You're kidding me. No. And, and, but when the military has a way of coming down on you, you usually cave unless you are just high in moral courage, which I wasn't weak in moral courage. But um, yeah. sometimes, you know, for, for your career and for your men, there, there's a time to cave. I, I, man, that's amazing. I, I can only yeah. amount, uh, imagine the pressure right. they tried to put on you. There was some pressure, no doubt. Yeah. Yes, sir. Let's talk about what's the hardest thing you've ever had to face in your life? Hardest thing I've had to face. I mean, and I'm, I, I think we're going to get into this, but uh, the Kokoro, Silphic Kokoro, physically was the hardest thing I've ever done. 
I, uh, my dad and I, I, I stood up to my dad one time, and, and my dad is not in our lives at, at all. And, and, and he left when we were young. And I, trust me, I'm not going to get too deep. But uh, uh, kind of telling him I'm a man too. And, and, and how old were, were you at this, this point? Uh, I was 16. 16. Yes, sir. And he would have he wiped the floor with me, no yeah. doubt about it. But uh, the hardest thing is actually standing my ground and saying, nah, this isn't going to go on anymore. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's the bravest thing. And, and I know well, what you're referring to based off the research we did. But A uh, little bit. A little bit. Yeah. And then after that, the relationship changed? Uh, well, you know, there was never a relationship to begin with, you know. And so, um, and, and let me clarify, because I think I know what you're talking about. It wasn't physical abuse at that time. Mm-hmm. This was uh, more of... Um, the games, the mind games, the disappearing mental, acts. mental abuse. Yes, yeah. sir. Which that, is uh, which is worse than the physical. Absolutely. That uh, yeah, he it, it just wasn't going to happen anymore. So yeah. Well, uh, again, the, the the amount of moral courage that it takes to to stand up to a a father, well, whether they're in your life or not, is uh, well, I appreciate. Is amazing. <laughs> Maybe moral courage. It wasn't physical courage, buddy. I was shaking in my boots. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We've so, all been there. So. You're, you, hey, Ben. I weighed. I think I graduated high school at about one twenty. Okay. So no uh, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. I got. Well, I stood up to bullies quite a lot. I got my ass beat down. Sure. Quite frankly, but uh, you know, quite frankly, that's what made me the man I was. And believe it or not, that was probably the best prep for the Marines and yes, the SEAL sir. teams that that I could have uh, could have had. Right. So with that. We'll be right back. And we are back with Brad Womack, entrepreneur, bar owner. Yeah, he was on The Bachelor. We moved <laughs> past that, though. But we did say before the break, we were going to ask, you know, were there a few things that you learned about yourself mm-hmm. from that experience? I did. I, uh, one thing I learned that... Um, I can I can do okay in crowds, just okay, you know. But uh, more importantly, I uh, you know always stay true to yourself, and yeah. and you know, um, it's a strange thing when a camera's on you, you know. And and uh, I think I did a pretty decent job of of just being me. And for better or worse, I mean, sometimes I would watch that, I would cringe, man. It was so bad. But uh, but yeah, I mean, just stay true to yourself. As cliche as that sounds, and and. Uh, uh, I've tried to I've, I've tried to stick with that. That that's, it, it, I think that's the greatest lesson that you can learn and and, and pass on to other people. Right. Um, you know, I've been on a number of of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I speak for a living on, on leadership development. Yeah, and I never watch my videos. Like I cringe. Yeah. My voice. I, I my wife will tell you cringe at the sound of my own voice. Oh, come on. No, man. I do. Absolute cringe. I, I hate hearing myself. Um, what, Dude, I have to ask this one question because sure. I'm still trying to figure this out at the age of 44. Did you learn anything about women? Oh, no. Not a thing. Not a single thing. I mean, nothing. And, and I don't think I ever will. You know, combined with both seasons, there were 60 women and you would think I would learn something. Not a single thing. Nothing. I mean, I'm still single, man. So I, I, I failed miserably at that, right? I, though I, uh, I, you know, no, you know what? Truthfully, um, learned that uh, they're very independent, can be, and and you know, um, when they see something they want, they they go after it. I guess I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question really. But did I personally learn anything about them? No, sir, I did not. Unfortunately, it, it, well, if you do, please uh, please call me and let me know. Buddy, you're doing just fine. You have a beautiful wife. You're happy. You're doing just fine. <laughs> is, is that what my face is telling you? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I, I am. I am. So I'm sure 
after that experience, they wanted to put you in the limelight. They wanted to get you a PR agent, but you said no. And to this day, you are not on social media. Correct. You are a private individual. Yes, sir. I am. I, I uh, you know, and it, it's not for any specific reason. Um, you're right. I've never been on social media ever in my life, ever. And, um, uh, and yes, uh, I was approached by agents for whatever. I mean, you know, I want to have no talent whatsoever when it comes to acting or anything like that. Good. We have something in common. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and frankly, man, I, uh, I have, I, I had my fill of it, you know, yeah. I, I, and I am a private guy for no other reason than, you know, I just kind of like to keep to myself. So, you know, we talked about, as I said in the intro, uh, we work out in the same place. Mm-hmm. You are a beast in the gym. And, right. and, and you know, I, I, I've seen you multiple times. The only reason I said hello, I think, was a week and a half ago is because we contacted each other and said, hey, let's do this podcast. Right. But you are in the zone. <laughs> you, you, well, your face says, don't bother me. And I, I love that face. It's the same face I, I, I try to put on. is like, don't bother me while I'm working out because right. you are focused. Okay. I hope I'm not. I hope that's not uh, standoffish. It's not that at all. But I, I'll tell you this: I uh, I just really like working hard. I really, really, really like working hard. And um, you know, I mean, I'm talking to a guy that's a Navy SEAL, Marine. I mean, I've read your bio, and it, Jesus, the list is it, it reads better than uh, you know it's than uh, reality. So, but but, and I, I kid you not. I'm not saying this to uh, to get points here. But when I look to guys like you, um, I try to emulate uh, uh, the grit and determination. And so, yeah, absolutely. I love to train hard. Um, I don't like being comfortable in any facet of my life. All right, we're diving in there. Let's this go. Is where we're, this is All where right. we're diving. Because, okay. again, storybook life, highly successful. You do well for yourself. I know, I, I know that. Well, thank the, you. The, the, the public knows that. And, and, and let's be honest. Probably 90% of men that have had the success you have, they start to get complacent. Right. They start to get a little overweight. They stop working out. And, and like, brother, like, you are, you're jacked. You're, you're, you're in good shape. You're not letting up. And you, you continue to find ways to put yourself in these situations that you just said, I don't want to get complacent. Right. I want to, I want to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. And you recently did an event. And, and I'm sorry, pronounce it for me. This is the Kokoro. Uh, Kokoro. 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 Yes, sir. And this was a 53-hour endurance event. No sleep, I'm assuming. Correct. Yes, sir. Why in your, your, your age would you put yourself through that? You know, I, uh, I was hoping you'd ask this question. I'll tell you why. Because it actually relates to you a little bit. And so... Very, very briefly. So SEAL Fit is, uh, was formed by Commander Mark Devine, retired, retired Navy SEAL mm-hmm. commander. Mm-hmm. I have a profound respect for all military personnel, but much more importantly, special forces and one notch higher Navy SEALs. I always have, man, always have. And, 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 and I need to say this to you, man, that, that, you know, the aura that you guys have, um, of course, it's physical, but I think there's a certain caliber of human being that's a Navy SEAL. I think uh, uh, it takes a certain amount of mental tenacity uh, uh, and, and just uh, morality. So long, long, long story short, uh, frankly, I wanted to see if I had a fraction, literally a fraction of what it takes to be even in the conversation of you guys. And so what Kokoro was started was, is C- Commander Devine did this 
for guys with contracts going into the buds that, that have sealed contracts. So you're surrounded by guys who are in their later teens. Well, well, yes and no. There was one guy with a contract, but okay. so he was okay. so successful with the guys going into buds that he opened it up to civilians. But Smart. here's the deal. He said, if you sign up for this, you're going to sign your life away. You're getting the real taste of it. This is exactly what we go through in 53 hours. Now, granted, it's not hell week. I can't do hell week. I'm not, I'm not Mike Sorelli at all. But I tell you, that 53 hours, it was a wake-up call. And I'm telling you, it, 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 they do not uh, pull punches. And so um, I trained for a year and a half for it. Uh, I think, I, I don't know if you read the first time I went through it. I was, so this is what's insane. So you gave it a shot the first time. Yes, sir. And it just didn't work out. I got pulled. I had rhabdomyolysis. I was okay. at, wound up in the hospital for four days. Yeah. Uh, and, and long story short, no one wants to hear about this, but... I did not want to fail, man. I, I could not live with myself about that. Well, this and, this goes to SEAL training. Yes, so sir. The highest amount of respect I had for guys that became SEALs right. were the ones that came back to buds okay. a second or third yes, time. Yes, sir. Right. You know, I, I lucked out and made it through the first time. There, right. there's a, there is an element of luck. Well, But for any human being to go a first time and it doesn't work out and they sign up for that torture again. Right has nothing but respect in my book. And quite frankly, well, thank you. you know, we're not going to get into the specifics here, but the guy who saved my life by jumping on a grenade, uh, it didn't work out on the, the first try. He came back for a second time. And if had he, had he not done that, I, you know, I would have perished um, with, well, with, without him. So the, the, the fact that you had the resilience, which again, I'm going to go back to your childhood, right. your time in the oil fields, right. time being an entrepreneur, where sure. there are times you just wanted to say, hey, we need to cash out and right. take the loss it is a testament. Walk us through that 53 hours, man. How was the second go around? Sure. And, 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 and can I say one thing really quickly? Another reason that I went back is, um, you know, uh, all of the instructors are retired Navy SEALs. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I couldn't let those guys down, man. And, they, and that, that, I'm telling you this, too. People like you, I don't want to let down. And I, I think you need to hear that from, from guys and women that, uh, that respect you guys so much. Anyway, so I, I just needed to say that. I wasn't going to let those men down. So, um, okay, so the 53 hours, it's, the, it's everything that I think that, uh, that you went through, I think. Yes. So uh, you check in, and as soon as you check in, you grab your gear, you're fully clothed, you're in fatigues, boots, fatigues, all, the whole nine yards. You grab your gear and you run. There's no uh, van transport. There's nothing, and so uh, that you you run with your gear. I think it was about four miles, and then the welcome party comes, and it's three hours of the most intense. Well, you think it's over, and and but it it literally doesn't stop. And I don't want to bore anybody with the uh, specifics, but I'm, I assure did, you, you're not boring anyone. Well, we did the entire um, you know uh, stretcher carries. We did surf torture, or I think they call it surf conditioning now because it's a PR world. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we did that. We did uh, uh, rucks with 15 miles and and God knows how many pounds on our backs, and we did that three or four times. But yeah, you cannot sleep. You can't sleep a wink. Uh, there were 15. Oh, and by the way, it was the, as far as I know, we did this in March. It was the coldest Kokoro on record. So I'm, I'm saying that for in a San Diego. In San Correct. Diego, okay. yes, sir. So I'm saying that for a reason. Uh, uh, we started with 15 people. Six of us finished. Two of those were pulled for hypothermia. I mean, it was that bad. You're soaking wet the entire time. Uh, they do feed you um, every once in a while, and uh, but and it's so sandy and gritty. 
But um, but I tell you, it's uh, the reason I wanted to go through that. I think anybody, literally anybody, can do it physically. You can do anything physically if you train for it. Mentally is another game, man. It is, and and uh, you know when you see see just some really really tough people on the exterior, but just mentally break. Um, one, your heart breaks for them. Absolutely. But also, uh, uh, you feel pretty good about, hey, I'm still hanging in there. So, anyway, I just wanted to see if I had what it takes. So, you bring up an interesting point, and this is whether it's that type of training or anything else, or even entrepreneurship or starting a business or, or, or anything in life, is they always told us, hey, we're going to tell you right now, yes, SEAL training is physical, special forces training is physical, right. but your mind will quit long before your body does. Sure. Your body is a pretty, especially when you're younger, right? is extremely resilient. But what gets guys is they get in their own heads and then they ring that bell and they're gone. Absolutely. So I know you've continued to put yourself in these events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you just did one in Whitefish. What was... I did. It was uh, one of the Spartan Ultras. It's a 31-mile um, ultra race. And so in elevation, things like that. But... Um, I think what, uh, so I have my sights set on uh, Go Ruck Selection. Yes. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is some of the guys um, that uh, uh, secured Kokoro the last time, they're doing that. I believe it's in October. I don't have time to train for it this year. I just don't um, because that's something just like Kokoro, just like any of those events that you really have to uh, uh, sacrifice literally everything else. Um, and mind and body, you just train for it. But anyway, so I, had, I do have my sights set on that, uh, but I'm also a, a realistic guy. And so I'm getting older, man, you know, and, and you know, we'll see. But, um, um, and they tell you, I think you, I see you nodding, but they tell you it's not something you try. Uh, you just, you're, you, you, you need to commit. And so I'll be ready to commit, but they only have it once a year. So hopefully I'll be, I'll yeah. be able to do that. And, and I know Go Ruck is run by predominantly Army Special Forces guys. Yes, sir. A community I, I highly respect. I, I respect all the communities. Me too. You know, we, when people talk about like, well, who's better, the Green Berets or SEALs? I'm like, that's, it, it's, it's just a flawed question right? From, from the start. I mean, I had Tim Kennedy on. I'm not going to look at Tim and say, no, the Navy SEALs are better. <laughs> uh, there's great dudes in every sing, single community. Right. Um, so... You've demonstrated uh, this this just desire to continually put yourself in, in opportunities to grow. Right. What what did you learn from that event? I mean, what what are the parallels to everything you've done in life that that that, that you took away from that event? Uh, that uh, it, look, and again, another cliche statement: you can do literally anything. You literally can do anything you put your mind to, man. Um, and at your darkest moments, I mean, dark, dark, dark moments, whether it's your business is failing, but uh, where Kokoro's concerned, you know, you're limping through the second day and yeah. uh, you think your ankle is fractured, whatever. You literally can do anything if you want it badly enough. And, and another thing, though, I learned that uh, anything worth a damn is not easy to achieve. And, and, and I'm dead serious And anything. So if you come by anything easy, whether it's love, anything, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that uh, it can go just as quickly if you get something easily and quickly. And so I learned that uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's good to put your head down and work for something, man. And, and so um, that's uh, transcended into business and, and things like that. And um, 
Hopefully I can put that into my love life a little oh. bit. Jesus, man, these women are resistant. But, <laughs> no, hey, hey. So, but no, that could be heartbreakers. Uh, anyway, you, 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 hey, bro, you, 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 I don't mind. I'm not saying it doesn't make, make me less of a man. Uh, the woman that gets you, she, you're, you're going to be a catch for her. And she's well, going to be a lucky lady. I appreciate uh, it, man. You know, for the listeners too, again, you can't say this enough. And I don't know why it's so lost and that we have to repeat it is yeah. any, anything worth earning is tough. Absolutely. And even with yeah. a business, hey, if we get to this revenue point, if we get to 10 million, we can just coast. That does not exist. You're exactly that's right. Exactly, that's exactly, in fact, it's actually when you got to turn it on to a different degree. And Mike, I, uh, my, my business partners and I, to this day, have to have conversations about uh, not becoming complacent, you know, and, and I couldn't agree more. You, you, I mean, and it, but another thing, I'm just, I'm not comfortable being comfortable if that makes sense and and um i kind of like uh the grind of literally every day just grinding man and maybe i uh, i'm a strange guy but um but it sure does feel good whenever you achieve whatever you're going after when you've actually earned it and it's even more invigorating when you fail yeah, absolutely you man we're, we're i've failed many times and i'll fail many more many many more 100 percent um you you know you said something hey i'm i'm, I'm getting old and I'm, I'm one hip replacement deep. And, and, and it's interesting. It's, you know, one of my buddies said, you know, the worst part about getting old, especially from the line of work we did, sure. is that people don't view you as dangerous anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's yes, we're getting old. I've, I've learned that life is more about modifications. Yeah, you can't throw on three 45s on each end of the bar and, and, yeah. and press it anymore. You sure. just got to find ways to keep moving Absolutely. That, that your body can tolerate, that you can still put your body under stress and continue uh, to, to continue growing. A lot of people, they just, they once they can't do that, they give in, man. Well, man, let me tell you, on that note, I look at you and see a dangerous man. So, so you're, you're doing just I, I fine, that. man. You're doing just fine. I, th- I think, <laughs> thank you. My wife just gave me a wink. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, so, before we go to, and this is always dangerous, we're going to let the audience ask questions. Okay. Um, what are your daily routines right now from, uh, from fitness? Because I know you're, you, you were a big Onnit gym. Sure. Onnit is here, and Aubrey Marcus uh, was, was the founder of that. And I know they've got the, the total human optimization approach. They do. With, with some amazing trainers. But what is your day-to-day or weekly fitness routine uh, look like? And then what does your diet look like? Okay. Because apparently... You're, you're, you're crushing it, dude. I appreciate that. Uh, so fitness routine is, um, I try to uh, start out with lifting weights, something like that. But it's, it's usually, so I, t- I think I told you I'm nursing an injury, talking about getting yeah. old. And yes. I'm fighting a hip flexor injury. But anyway, um, the only reason I'm bringing that up is, is uh, workouts are a little light right now. But typically, I'll train for two, two and a half hours, and it's a mixture of literally anything, whether it's kettlebell, sled, strength, conditioning, functional fitness, all of that. And then I'll, uh, I, most days, well, not most days, four days a week, I'll do two a days and I'll do some runs. I'll do some long runs just to get conditioning and stuff like that. Um, but, but to answer your question, as far as all of the training goes, just anything that's really, really difficult and, and kind of makes me feel alive, you know? And, um, as far as diet, I eat as clean as any human being on this planet. I, w- I would, 
think, you yeah. know, I, um, no processed foods, no, sir. And, and, and I don't need much, uh, uh, seasonings. I don't need much of anything. I'm, I'm a, uh, pretty regimented, downright boring guy, but it, it suits me. Wait, I, I so like to it. the point that you're counting macros or no. just because it's become so, re- uh, regimented. Yes, regimented sir. That it, it, exactly. And, and, and I'm, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of, kind of guy, but it's lean beef and stuff like that. But you know, it, it's, no, I don't count macros. I think life's a little short for that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm not in competitions or anything like that, but, um, but I eat for fuel. And so I yeah. eat a lot and I eat consistently. And, and so try to hover around 4,000 calories a day. When, when you can make that mental paradigm shift, that yeah, food is just fuel. Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's not for pleasure. Yeah. That's when things start to change. Sure. And I yeah. know for some people, they have to count macros at first. Right. But then when, when you become regimented and you're like, oh, I know that chicken breast is 40 grams. Yeah. Five grams of carbs and, and, and nine grams of fat. Right, like you've 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 got it down. I'm curious. About, do you mind me asking? Do you do do you count macros? So it ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah, it okay, ebbs and yeah. flows. If I get, if in, and trust me, you know the first person to tell me if I'm going, uh, uh, I don't want to say pudgy. Yeah, is is my wife. <laughs> We're very direct <laughs> in our, our family. Um, and, and we can't do, you know, we talk about it, we're like, we can't do that with our kids. We'll make our kids like, that's body, body dysmorphia. Sure, we're not, yeah. not going to do that. But for right. us, that's, that's the way we, uh, we operate. Right. But yeah, sometimes I, I've got to go back to counting macros because I lose my way. Just, you know, maybe business, yes, business sir. schedule changes. How yeah. about alcohol, man? Okay. So that's a great question. Yeah. That's a great question. So it's funny. Um, leading up to Kokoro, I drank uh, probably more often than I should. You know, I had some fun. As soon as I decided to train for, for Kikora, I cut it out completely. Not a single drop. Just cold turkey right yeah, away. Oh, yeah. Not a single okay. drop. And, and frankly, man, it opened up so many doors. Um, and you would think those doors would close. I'm talking socially and things like that. You'd think they would close. And they didn't. In fact, I found myself to be much happier, much more productive. Um, you know, and, and so, but and I don't want to sound like an angel maker. Like I said, I did go through some phases. I was drinking heavy. Yeah. I mean, hell, I'm in the bar business for Christ's <laughs> sake, you know, but, um, but now these days, um, I very, very, very rarely drink, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. Um, I find that I can have more, uh, conversations of substance without yeah. alcohol. And so, um, and I'm a complete idiot when I'm drinking anyway, let's face it. So. I, uh, yeah, I try, I try to just uh, not abstain completely, but it serves no purpose right now, man. Dude, that, the, the alcohol is by far, in, in my opinion, not backed by empirical data, um, is the number one challenge for a lot of people. Once oh, sure. you cut, off, uh, cut out alcohol, yep. you're, not, you're not binging, you're not coming home from the bar and ordering you yep. know, Taco Bell or, or, well, the new one for my wife and I is Crumble. Oh, come thing? on, man. Okay. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Crumble? Everybody in this room knows Crumble. It's so good. It's oh, I so some good. People are like, what? I, it's so I, good. I, I don't know what so, you're talking about. No. Yeah, you know I, what we're talking about. I may or may not have ordered Crumble for myself. And I, oh, wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's so good. It's so it, good. It, yeah, yeah, amazing company. Yeah. Stay away from it. Don't download the app. <laughs> Uh, they were very bril- brilliant. Great business model with the app. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In the delivery. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, hey, at this point... Uh, we're, we're going to get a little dangerous. We're going to open it up for uh, questions from the audience. I see, okay. already see one hand here. My name's Craig Dunnigan, Austin, Texas. Yes, sir. Do you have any particular events in life that you regret? Go back and do it over. What would oh, it be and why? That's a, uh, that's a really, really good question. Uh, you know, um, some events in life that I regret. Uh, frankly, there are uh, 
maybe one or two really, really solid women in my life that uh, that I was uh, maybe too um, immature to uh, realize that what I had. So I regret that. But um, and another thing, uh, maybe the, <laughs> the bachelor. I'm kidding. I had to say that. But no, I mean, I, I, I want to take your question very, very seriously. Um, you know, maybe saying goodbye to people in my life that I shouldn't have at the time and not not being mature enough to realize that this is a really good human being. And maybe I was too full of myself. Maybe I had blinders on for business, whatever it's called or whatever it may be. And, and uh, some, a true loss uh, for some people in my life. And and so that's not necessarily an event, but I hope I, I answered your question. Um, and I appreciate the question very much. Hey, yes, ma'am. I'm Lauren Dunnigan. Can you just give a brief summary of your seven-day workout? Just weights, just what you do in the gym. So sure. you didn't hear that, a, a, a sort of the seven-day summary of what your workout is. Absolutely. Okay, so I'll typically go three days on, one day off. So meaning one day I'll do strictly weights, um, but I'll also – I say strictly weights. So I'll start with weights, whether it's um, – uh, lower body to strike all that, but then I'll always do a conditioning piece afterwards. And so I'm trying, I, I, again, I'm trying to answer your question. So a seven day work, let's say Monday is lower body and then I'll do 35 to 45 minutes, uh, max calories on the Airdyne bike or, and then the next day I'll do some upper body, but, and then a weighted ruck that evening. I'd love to go do a weighted ruck. Um, the green belt, I'll go 16 miles with say 60 pounds, something like that. And so long story short, I don't really have a clearly defined, Hey, this is, but I always try to do strengths or strength training to begin with conditioning afterwards, hit repeat, take a day off and then go. So I typically train six days a week with one day off. Do you have so, a trainer? You uh, so you mentioned on it. I trained with Juan Leha for uh, two years at on it and uh, his brother before him, Eric Leha. They're, they're both studs. They yeah. are amazing guys and amazing coaches. And I trained with them for years. And so now I don't, um, but you only know because, their structure, yes, how, sir. To, how to, yeah. yeah, yes, sir. So a lot of programming with kettlebells and things like that, but they're really, really big into the conditioning piece as well. So, you know, the one thing I tell people is if you are not a fitness professional, yeah. we always went out and found people that were experts in what they did. If, if right. they were, you know, the best snipers in the world are not military snipers, right? They're civilian snipers. Right. And so we'd go train with those guys. Oh, that's interesting. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So if we wanted to go do uh, mountain climbing, we'd go find the civilian that was the best in the world. Right. Um, same thing. If, if you're getting into fit, fitness, go find a credible fitness professional yeah. that understands the science of it. Right. And follow what they do. I mean, I still use Nick Shaw. Yeah. Of RP strength. I mean, he's yep. trained uh, uh, Rich Frowning, frowning oh, wow. uh, you know, the, world, the world's strongest man for a good period of time. The guy is, is science-based, and uh, even, even though I know how to structure workouts, I follow a professional who tells me what to do. Man, you know, on that note, I, uh, I mentioned Juan and Eric both. I, I, you know, training with a coach for me is so much better only because I can never push myself without um, that, that leadership. And th- both of those guys – were really tough on me, and I respond well to that. I mean, you know, we were friends before and after the session, but during that session, he was strictly a coach, and I really respected that. He was, he was, he was good to train under. Good. I, I see we've got time for one more question. Yes, sir. Uh, Matt Wilhite, Austin, Texas. Brad, Mike's, Mike's wife couldn't believe that a guy your age could stay as lean as you are uh, without counting macros and kind of being more stringent with your diet. 
could you run us through your diet and kind of what you do? I mean, do you, I, I, do you intermittent fast? Do you do anything like that? Um, or you just kind of shoot from the hip all day? You know, that's a really good question. No, I never inter- intermittent fast. Um, I'm a firm believer, me personally, um, that food is fuel, meaning because of the conditioning that I try to do, I think that eliminates some of the uh, calories that I take in, you know? And so uh, I think I mentioned before, you know, I'll lead up to 4,000 calories a day, but it's always really, really clean food. And, and um, I very, very rarely eat sweets or anything like that. And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not an advocate for depriving yourself. It's just for me, I don't mind at all. And it just works. That, that kind of diet works for me. That, so, you know, one, people can't go follow you on social media. If you're eating 4,000 calories a yeah. day. Yes, sir. And as lean as you are. Yeah. Then I 100% believe that you were eating whole foods oh yeah no processed no yep. sweets no sugars you said you don't even use seasoning that's correct that's, yes sir that's yep. insane man that's yep. insane matt thanks for uh great great question thank you sir so before we say goodbye uh we like to end this podcast with a few of our uh, own questions okay in this one and bro uh, since i've retired from the military i've had nothing but time to reflect okay uh, on my experiences and i see my old man and the reflection he's going through now right. in, in his late 70s. You've got a lot of adventure. You've got a lot of expeditions left in your life. And I can tell that. And you're going to live them. At the end of your days, how will you measure your life and whether you've lived well? How will I measure if I've lived well? If I'm truly, genuinely happy, I, I, I will think that I've lived my life very well. And because we let so many factors influence happiness, right? I think I'm, it's not bank account uh it's no. not uh the house on the hill um for some people it's not a family I, I don't know but but if i'm genuinely happy and at peace with myself um and yeah i'm gonna make some mistakes along the way i've oh, yes. made tons but if i can genuinely wake up and think life's just fine i've done all right man i don't need much in my life i just want to be genuinely happy on this next one and for all the listeners in me, ed- educate me, man. Yes, sir. Uh, what, what, what are a few, maybe, maybe if, you've, if it's even one rule or code, let, let's say keys to success by which you live your life. Uh, honesty, man. You've got to be honest. And, and you know, uh, you have to live your life honestly. You have to run a business honestly. Um, never ask anyone to do something you wouldn't do. Um, say what you mean. Mean what you say. And to me, a handshake means a lot, man. I, I, uh, uh, and I think that takes you far. Again, man, just live with integrity, you yeah. know? And so that way, if you really screw up, at least you can say, hey, man, it wasn't a scheme. It was, uh, I just, I, I messed up. I made a mistake. And, and, um, and I can live with those mistakes. So I think live with honesty. That, that is a great rule to live by. Is it, is it still hard for you to be honest sometimes? No. When you know what it's, it's going to maybe hurt or come off wrong with the other person? Mike, I kid you not. not I, can, I can't lie. I, I'm not kidding. I love that. I, I love I, I that. Can. I cannot lie. I, I cannot lie. And it's almost a fault. And, uh, and I mean even little white lies. And, and hell, you can ask some of my ex-girlfriends, man. We, I'm brutally honest, but I also like that brutal, brutal you like honesty it as well. too. Yes, yeah, sir. you expect it. So, but no, I, uh, no, I do not find it hard to be honest. I uh, find it uh, impossible to be dishonest. That's, that's a good quality, and that, that, that must be, again, uh, uh, your upbringing. 
in all your life experiences that brought you to that. Well, Brad, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I know the listeners have loved this podcast. They've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Thank you. And until next time, this is Brad Womack and Mike Sorelli out here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and pick up a new issue of Men's Journal Magazine. Men's Journal Magazine has features on health and fitness, adventure and travel, style, and my favorite, the coolest gear hitting the market today. Until next time, I'm Mike Sorelli, and thanks for listening. Thanks.